and welcome. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You got to do the YouTube intro. Can I remember it? Oh, yeah. Should I change? Uh, if, hey, if you can improv on the fly and change it, yeah, go ahead. But maybe just play the hits. Okay. We're talking hockey. Sidney Crosby. We're talking hockey. Joined by Aaron Ward. Oh, <laughs> hello and welcome to That's Hockey Talk. Special episode today. We are going to talk to three-time Stanley Cup champion Aaron Ward. Legend. Legend. Hilarious dude. Best. Too. Classic hockey guy. Nice guy. Uh, I'm your host, Nick Moraldo, joined as always by Pal of the Pals, Lad of the Lads, our North of the Border friend, Gumpy. Gumpy, how you doing, pal? Great. Hockey's flying right now. I love it. It is. There's one thing missing from this show, though, and I, I just don't know what it is. I mean... Oh, it's that big fat stew, J.Q. Shipley, who once again has hung us out to dry and left us just stranded here on our own. Who would have thought, huh? You know, it's, I keep getting these texts, too, like, I promise I'm all in. Next week, I promise, I promise. Now, he's still moving. He's still got shit going on. It's like, pal, you, you played in the NFL for 10 years. You just won a Super Bowl. Hire some movers. I'm trying to talk hockey here, pal. We're trying to. He texts me all the time about all the games, and now it's like we come to actually, here, here's the platform. Here's the show. Let's go. It's time. Nowhere to be found. We're in the meat of the season. We're in the meat of the season. We're in the meat of the season, and there's big news that we need to talk about. The best news I've heard in a long time. Yes! Hockey is back on the worldwide leader. ESPN and the NHL have agreed to a seven-year deal for the television rights. $2.8 billion cash influx to the league. Uh, We're going to get 25 national broadcast games on ESPN. We're going to get 75 national games on ESPN+. Plus. We're going to get hours and hours of other games on ESPN+. Plus. We're going to get uh, Stanley Cup Finals. They've agreed to four Stanley Cup Finals. And a couple conference finals will be on ESPN. Now, this leaves the door open for a double dip. So they're going to go back to NBC? For the other other three years. Fox has allegedly been in on the action. I would assume, though, NBC (laughs) would be the one. If Fox is coming back, are we getting the red puck back? Oh, the The glow puck. puck. Give me the glow puck. I would love that. I would love that. Aaron Ward, he worked with the analytics and stuff with the infrared sensor and the puck. Maybe he could shed a little light on that. And then uh, we will have live game coverage, obviously, plus studio. They're bringing back a studio show. I'm interested to see who they – because they haven't made any announcements – on who's going to do the coverage and who's going to do the play-by-plays. And it's still too early in the process like that for ESPN. I mean, you put, hey, Patty Sharp, keep that guy on You got to prime away from NBC. He's That's it, what just happened. Gold, what happens dude. to him? And Ryan Callahan, I saw now, was doing it with NBC. These guys just got started in their careers now. So it's like, is ESPN going to pry them away? Here's what I ask of ESPN as a hockey fan. My impassioned plea. We don't ask for much. We've been through a lot. I ask you for three things. Give us the promotion. Put us put the plays in the Sports Center top ten. Yeah. Bring back the Sports Center commercials, the classic ones with the New Jersey Devils mascot. You know, give us give us the goddamn game. Grow the game. Put it on people's eyeballs. If you have to force a conversation in Stephen A. Smith's world on first things first or first take or whatever it is now, do it. I mean, you talk about every other sport. You exactly. know what I mean? Like at this point, it's like we talk about basketball fucking five games into the season. You can talk about the NHL playoffs. Give like, us the it's, social media It's on clips. ESPN now. Let it eat. Let's get the game back out there. Let's grow the game. Give us the social media clips. Give us that presence. That's that's uh, to be assumed, right? You assume they're going to do all that, but that's what we want. Okay, that was one. Two, the music. And we got confirmation on this already, so thank you. 
the NHL tonight theme, the hockey night, the national hockey night theme. That's coming back already. They confirmed that. They put that out there. Beautiful. Great move. Easy move, right? Easy move to appease stooges like us. We'll eat that up. The third move. Bring back the old gang, the OGs. Bring back John Butchergrass. Bring back Linda Cohn. Bring back Barry Melrose. Get them out of the holes they've been hiding in, and let's get them talking puck on the main shows and and give them their studio show back. Get Steve Levy over there. Bring back Gary Thorne. Let's get Gary Thorne back on the play-by-play on the broadcast. We need Gary Thorne. We need that voice, that iconic voice. I mean, maybe you dig up Bill Clement. How many years has it been since they've been on ESPN? They left after the lockout. So the original lockout. And when I say the lockout, I mean the lockout, which yeah, canceled yeah. the whole season in 2004. Yeah. So it's been a long time. But I see Bucci. He's already tweeting up a storm. He's chomping at the bit. Barry Melrose has been doing stuff. I think it's in the crease on ESPN Plus already. And they trot him out there, like you said, on uh, on Pacho earlier. They trot him out there at like 2 a.m. on SportsCenter. Yeah, yeah, it's late night for Every sure. once in a while for a hockey take. But give us those guys. And then, you know, hire a couple ex-players or two. But let's not, let's not go overboard. And, and the ones you do hire, let's look at NBC's recent – uh, example of the Ryan Callahan's and the Patrick Sharps. Let's not go digging back into the old Stone no, Age for yeah. the Mike Milberries no. and the guys like that. We don't need it. We don't need the old Stooges and the dinosaurs. We need the young guys who've played the game recently, who have a fresh perspective and can tell you what's going on on the ice out there and can help fucking grow this game and appeal to the masses. Give us some flavor. Give us something new. Hockey's back, baby. It's back. Thank God. Also back on this show. Aaron Ward. Let's get to that interview right now. Ladies and gentlemen, joining (laughs) us now, a Canadian man who became a Michigan man, then went fifth overall in the NHL draft. Five. That's that's impressive. Uh, Became a made man in the NHL, winning three Stanley Cup titles, going back-to-back with the Wings, and then coming right out of the lockout with the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, Mr. Aaron Ward. Aaron, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? Hey, what the boys call you back in the day? Was it Wardo? Yeah, I mean, you, it's it's always adding vowels, right? We're the <laughs> the least inventive people, but uh, it's kind of a rite of passage that it, once you get vowels out of your name, you're accepted. <laughs> hey, I want to talk to you about what you're up to now because last time you were on the show, we talked a little bit about the analytics movement that you're involved in. Can you tell us about what's going on with that and, and how you're working with the league? Yeah, so I work with a company called uh, SMT, Sports Media Technology. You'd probably know them from uh, the yellow line in football. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's Pretty big deal. Strike, yeah, strike zone for football. I mean, for uh, baseball. I mean, uh, name the sport. There's something there. Telemetry for, for NASCAR where it's put out on the broadcast. So anytime you see an, uh, a, some virtual effect or, or a, a ticker or anything on TV, you'll see it in, in March Madness, we're involved. So we are the contracted group that basically runs a player and puck tracking. Um, we have tags in the players. We have uh, infrared uh, light silos in the puck. There's a camera system in the ceiling that picks it up and there's GPS. Basically, we can we can identify where you are uh, on the ice. Player, I think it's 15 times a second. I think puck is about oh, 60 shit. times a Jesus. second. And you give you the X, Y, N, Z coordinates. So uh, for the world of analytics, it opens up uh, innumerable options as to how you can dissect the game, dissect players. Uh, for players, it's a headache. Um, I mean, you can see the anytime someone lobs out a question, the media to players asking about the value of, of analytics, most guys say they have no use for it. Uh, and I think part of it's out of fear. Uh, but I think uh, as time goes on, players and everybody from uh, the fan base to 
whoever consumes hockey, whether it be uh, wagerers um, or the everyday fan, will learn to kind of accept where analytics and, and uh, player and puck tracking is heading. That's that's really interesting because you, being a former player yourself, ha, has your perspective changed on it? Like, would you have thought differently when you were playing if someone approached you and talked to you about it or you got asked the question to media? I would. I would because actually, so Shifley was posed this exact question probably about a week ago. And he said he had no time for it, thought it was the waste of time, doesn't pay attention to it. Now, here's the thing I got to say. I understand as a player because when you start to look at where this is heading, I think the fear for most players is it might be used against you. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're coming into a contract year. What will they have on you? And the truth is, it's where we're heading. Right. So once we have speed, time and distance, we can somehow formulate a, a workload. Right. So you can see if you're ascending or descending in your performance. Are you are you consistently able to to put out the amount that, that you had when you were 24 now that you're 32? Right. And so that might be used against you. But here's the truth. The CBA has it where this can no, this cannot be used. Even if they, they, they have it in the back of their mind why they're coming with a number, it can't be used in, in any type of arbitration. Uh, so for players, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to use it. And I was of, of the I was a proponent to oh, you know, that's that's for number geeks, right? That's right, for yeah. that's for math nerds. That's but truth be told, if you really open your mind up to w- what is possible, it can go so many ways. Right. So as as a player, I can look at it and say, where do I find myself best performing, right? So I can say, if I'm playing well, where am I finding that success? I think I would love to have that. If I'm not playing well, where am I different from years past? And so as, as a former player, and I'll, I'll say where I was most adverse to it, I stepped out of hockey, got into broadcast. I worked for TSN, and after we came out of the CBA and I taught myself economics, my executive producer came to me and said, hey, how about presenting analytics? And I was like, "Not, nope. Because <laughs> truth be told, truth be told, I skipped the math classes at University of Michigan, right? I, I don't, it's not what I thought I would ever need. But when you finally get down to it, I think the truth is players don't want to talk about it because you don't want to look uneducated. You don't want to look or, or incapable of explaining what these things are. And I think that's where it's at. When you really dig deeper, the truth is, and this is where I've come to embrace it. If you're a person that, that lends yourself to, it's the eye test that matters. Yeah. Where analytics plays for a role for you is, does it support your viewpoint? So do the numbers say, hey, listen, I'm seeing this about this guy, do the numbers match? And if the numbers match, I'm like, well, then I feel really confident about that, about that position. If I'm a, if I'm a, 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 what I see is, is what I value guy and it contradicts, number contradict, maybe it just causes me pause to go back and take a second look. So I think that's really honestly where the fear comes in for most players is, I don't want someone to ask a question about the game I play I make a lot of money doing it, and I can't explain it. So that's I, there's there's so much to be pulled out of it, whether it's minute things for guys that just want to know the smallest things, or a guy that really wants to delve deep into his performance and, and pick it apart. Right, and and your your point there, that's with coaches and personnel guys as well, because then when you start uh, evaluating the evaluators and you look at the uh, poor draft picks or recent failures with free agency signings, and then you match it up with analytics, it paints a bad picture sometimes. So I could see why guys would be really against that because it's almost like doubling down. You, you a lot well, here's, of times- here's another dirty little secret. So I had to present to 30 plus teams this summer all about the analytics. Half the coaches could care less about it. Oh, yeah. you, have, you have guys that played the 80s that are coaching now that can barely touch email. Hand them the numbers <laughs> and, and, and they're, grabbing their, they're grabbing their crown royal and stepping up. That's, that's the truth. So. I think most teams now have gone the direction of they have an analytics group that helps 
the management staff make decisions on players that are American Hockey League potential draft picks and maybe where uh, they can improve upon the current players in comparison to other teams. The coaches might value it to try and mix and match players, but I don't think anybody throws it wholeheartedly into one direction. Carolina Hurricanes, maybe, very self-directed. Uh, their management is basically directed by a guy by the name of Tolsky who, who values his numbers. But most teams have, a, have a, an equal evaluation of, of what the scouts see versus what the numbers present. Yeah, it's the age-old adage of it's, uh, it's a tool. It's another tool to evaluate. It's not the be-all, end-all. It is a piece of information that should be and could be considered in the process. Uh, you mentioned uh, coaches and the old school coaches and something that just popped off recently, which I think caught a, a lot of people by a little bit of a surprise, was Jeff Ward was let go in Calgary and Daryl Sutter takes over. He's one of the ilk that you mentioned, like the old school, hard-nosed Canadian coaches. Like, what, What's your take on this? Because it seemed like it was a little, a little jarring. I, I would tell you that uh, kudos to the National Hockey League again. We're the greenest league, uh, maybe uh, for recycling coaches, only oh. maybe paling by comparison to NBA. I mean, uh, if I see a Van Gundy coaching a, uh, <laughs> a team, I'm, I mean, I, 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 I think he's probably coached more teams than teams he hasn't coached. <laughs> so um, I'll, I'll say this. So gone by the wayside, in my opinion, I think most players playing now are, are the old school coaches, the, the the real old school by definition coaches. You don't see the Scotty Bowmans. You saw what happened with uh, the head coach in in Carolina. You saw what happened with Babcock. Yeah. Who? I mean, all these guys are disciples of Babcock. Babcock's now coaching at at, at University of Saskatchewan. The reason why is the Huskies. His yeah. His, the reason why <laughs> these guys are leaving is because it no longer resonates with 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 the, the locker room these guys are wired different right they're they're presented with different challenges i never had to worry about my instagram followers i didn't have to worry about my my uh, say not my behavior but what my image is in public because there's not all these cameras lying around and guys guys are pressured by different things than we were we were worried about you know could we could we work the hangover off that we had the <laughs> night before and did we have to take pregame skate and would they smell it on us when we started sweating that was our issue so i would tell you that bringing sutter was a bit of a shock for me right so jeff ward this is a symptom of Calgary not performing to the level that I think everybody expected them to. Yeah, right? I and, think everyone thought they were going to be that, way up there. Go ahead. I think everyone yeah, thought they the, were going to way up there in the division. And the parameters have changed completely from what we would know. I mean, now you get a North Division. If if you if the you gave the Canadians their druthers, they would keep it this way, right? To oh, yeah. always constantly have these battles. And I would say, I don't have sympathy for the coaches, but you have to adapt to this newness of, of how this is all scheduled. Every game in the North Division – is an absolute playoff style game yeah and if you look at it how it's happening montreal comes out kicking it it looks all good and they've fallen off why because everybody understands what montreal is bringing to the table and they're prepared mm -hmm. toronto's now toronto is now experiencing this right so now they've got a bit of a slide going on everybody's figured out well if we get a hold of austin maybe we can do something different and maybe a different result what does vancouver do pockets a guy and actually starts abusing him and now Matthews is now in a, in a situation of having to figure out, do I focus on the game or defend myself? Yeah. So uh, bringing in Sutter was a shock because you think about the direction coaching goes and what it takes to motivate these guys. And I don't think they all need motivation, but I don't see Sutter being the uh, new age motivator, shall we say. I think, I think he's accustomed to herding cattle 
more than he's uh, accustomed <laughs> to getting guys to, to to prep for a game lately. As evidenced by Gumpy, you point this out. Yeah, what what would you do if you were a veteran on that team and he comes in and he's got you skating lines first practice, Aaron? Uh, I would probably, so here's the deal. I would, I'd probably do my research before he got there. But again, like I'm, I, I played an era where I can contact guys yeah. and say, Hey, listen, what do you know about him? And that's what every guy probably did, right? There, there's some, there's some Rolodexes that really he had to dig deep on in, in the Calgary Flames locker room to find guys that could relate to what it was like playing for Sutter. Uh, I just shut my mouth and do it. Yeah. I mean, truth, truth be told is tree living's been under fire for a very long time. Calgary has been under fire for a very long time. You can only get rid of so many coaches before you, have to, before you have to make decisions about personnel. And I think that's where Calgary's at right now is all this hope for Monaghan. We know what Gaudreau is. We know what Kachuk is. Uh, you've got an aging guy in Giordano who's still commanding, I think at 37 years old, he's getting somewhere north of 21 minutes a night. You've got to have that step into the new direction. And when's that going to happen? And is that going to happen slowly or is there going to be a baptism by fire and blow it up? And I, I think this is the last grasp that trying to go with an old school guy that's going to get the attention of young guys, and and you you only have a small sprint left in the season. This isn't a marathon anymore. You've got to get Calgary in position to get in the playoffs, and from there, I think everybody's just hoping for the best. Yeah, that that last point right there was what really grabbed me. Was Sutter seems like a guy you bring in when you know you're ready to go take off and win a championship. I don't know if it's uh, I don't want to say it's a false sense of. Uh, delusion or where they're at or anything like that but it feels like like you just like grasping straws there it's like here we go one last i think i think for a lot in the north and specifically calgary it's familiarity right yeah is you're gonna you're gonna lean on guys that you know can execute for you and sutter has been a guy i mean he's he's proven in his track record that he can get it done absolutely Uh, i just don't know the beans by which he does it necessarily be effective here so true living's looking at a guy saying I'm not going to pin my pin my hopes on the finishing of the season and, and my livelihood on a guy I'm going to take a flyer on, which is essentially what he did with Jeff Ward. I had Jeff Ward as assistant coach under Claude Julian in Boston. Great guy, but uh, cut his teeth as a head coach most recently in Germany prior to coming back over here to mm. take over Calgary. So Tree Living's looking at his uh, livelihood too. Let's go look big picture again. The big news breaking today uh, that the ESPN and the NHL have agreed to a seven-year deal for the TV rights. Half of the TV rights, I should say. They're still going to sell the other half. But ESPN's got a bunch of games. They're getting a couple, like 25 national games. They're paying $2.5 billion. They're going to beef up ESPN Plus with a bunch of games. Uh, is this Obviously, I think it's a great move for the league. What are your feelings on it? Because you played in the era where they were on ESPN, and it was household names and uh, nightly promotion, and it was just it was in your face all the time. It was it was it was much more relevant than it is now. I think this is actually an XL moment for a lot of players, if if you really think about it. So the pandemic has done, and and I'll go back to my first kind of uh, diatribe I went on about understanding the the collective bargaining agreement and how prior to getting an analytics I taught myself economics and legalities HRR is a dirty acronym right hockey related revenue oh yeah and with a pand- pandemic you're getting killed right now because you have no rear ends in the seats and this is a sport that's driven by fans in the building concessions parking all those any any residual sales off of a jersey that a guy has a a whimsical desire to have it because all of a sudden he feels good about his team winning, right? Those <laughs> yeah. things no longer exist. So if I'm a player, I'm looking at, well, the, the, the longevity of the, of, of, the, of the league, specifically, we keep talking about where's the salary cap going. I mean, this is great relief for players to think about the hockey-related revenue dollar figure is going up, right? So yeah. I, I, you said 2.5. I thought I saw 2.8. 2.8, yeah, sorry. Essentially, you're going to have 
probably four to 500 million a year in just the US market alone, and rights holders paying towards the National Hockey League. That's a big dollar figure that is sorely needed right now. It's going to offset what the players are covering in their escrow, right? So players don't want, when you see a guy that's making, I don't know, 10 million, he's not making 10 million. They I mean, hate not that escrow. close to making 10 million because off the top of that, you're already taking the, the federal taxes, the state taxes, some cities like Nashville, you've got a performance tax. Then you got an escrow. My year of escrow, I paid a 23% uh, escrow on my salary. I was taking home 40% of what I made. That's crazy. So, and, and what's the selling point to you guys for that? When they take that escrow, they say, well, the cap's going to go up. Everybody's going to make more, right? They say that. Exactly. I didn't, <laughs> well, I plus, plus I was a plug, right? So my, 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 my ceiling was way smaller yeah. than everybody else. So, um, yeah, I, I think for, for the exhale factor or exhale uh component for management knowing that salary caps should be something manageable right they've there's a ton of bad contracts out there and i think they were all stressing coming into the summer how are they going to get themselves out of it now they'll know okay i think generally we can function under under this kind of assumption so they can deal with their current rosters and signing certain guys and then project forward from there and you look at a guy like patrick lane in the off season like what do you think he's going to get paid aaron uh, it, the thing for me with, with Line A is, um, what is his mood? Yeah. Peg Jeff spent the entire year basically trying to answer the question of what has happened to him production wise. Yeah. Uh, then we look at the, the, the circumstance where now we have, um, him coming into the season and you're looking at. Does he want to be traded? This is a guy that has essentially said that he doesn't want to be in Winnipeg. So now that he's gone to Columbus and we take out the torts factor, because the torts factor is a huge factor for, for all of this, right? I mean, getting in there and getting sat right off the bat because of, what is it, insubordination towards another coach? I mean, this is this is a tough situation. Does, does Line A like the fact that uh, he's playing for a guy like Kukulainen and enjoying uh, playing for a Finn? Does he like playing in a U.S. market? is Columbus having gotten rid of Pierre-Luc Dubois' dollar figure got under the salary cap the opportunity to bring this guy in and sign him. These are all things that, that play into it. I think Lion A's experience about being miserable and not, not being Winnipeg, but miserable playing for a team is going to really kind of influence where he decides to go. On a similar note, uh, have you heard anything or any thoughts about Jack Eichel's situation in Buffalo? We talked about it at length in the last episode. Now the news comes out. He's injured. He's been dealing with some type of injury since before the season, allegedly. Mm -hmm. Now it seems to have escalated, and he's going to miss at least a week. So a lot of okay. people think they so thought that was it's, trade it's, talk. But... It's, a, it's a neck injury. Yeah. So when they talk about upper body, uh, I think the most indicting video is in the Islanders uh, game. There is on NBC feed a trainer actually working on his neck. My understanding is cervical vertebrae. It's a lingering neck issue. Uh, I put out on Twitter yesterday that, I, as I understand it, he's going for a second opinion. What that means, I don't know if it's a matter of he's not certain about the diagnosis or he just wants to see if someone else has a, a differing view of how to address it. But, I mean, for Eichel, this is a tough season. This is this is a guy right now that that is nowhere close to – generating the opportunities and it was one goal eight assists on on a season on five on five yeah it's these been bad. numbers where he was last year i think he was 24 goals 26 26 assists five on five he's he's not there and everybody's like well look at the team around him well here's the truth guys in similar situations 
are still getting it done. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're indicting Edmonton for what happens there because it's always a dry cycle McDavid show, right? So, so Eichel, who's drafted the same year, he's just not getting the same things done. So do we go back and say, hey, listen, this is because of injury? Uh, or is it a young guy that has to learn some hard lessons that a lot of star players have to learn? And I'll give you an example of a guy I played with. Steve Eiserman, when I got to Detroit, was going through the transition. And that transition was encouraged by Scotty Bowman because he knew that in order to win, we had to have our key guys do certain things. Mm-hmm. All right. So Eichel, I would say from a preparation standpoint, conditioning, uh, focus, may have to take an inward look and decide what he's going to do. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll point out that maybe even on ice, he has to change some of the things he's done, a la Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews currently even though he's leading it offensively for Toronto and just killing it in the National Hockey League, the thing that jumps out on you is he's killing it defensively. I mean, turnovers, block shots. I mean, everything about Austin Matthews' game is transitioned into completion. So I think that maybe a former teammate of mine there, and I'm sure he's trying, Eric Stahl, maybe has to take a young guy like this aside and say, hey, listen, if you're looking and there's all this focus on on Jeff Skinner and what he's not getting done, right? Yeah, that was a big contract. Right, and, and, and so there's a tension there. Uh, Hall comes in, makes a choice to be in Buffalo. There's, there's all attention there. While there's, while there's like a separation of attention, try and figure this out quick because soon the microscope is only on you and it will be on you because Buffalo is a great city. I know a million guys live there uh, post-career. Marty Biron to one swears by it that Buffalo is a fantastic town. But they're passionate. Very, and absolutely. If you're not putting up, you might as well pack your bags and jump off Niagara Falls. <laughs> <laughs> do you think? Do you think they'll move them, Eichel? I can. I can see it. Um, only in that. Listen, uh, Kevin Adams, who's a GM there, a former teammate of mine here in Carolina. Uh, baptism by fire, right? Comes in, Pagula's pick him to do it. I actually, I if you told me who did you or asked me who did you play with over your career that would like be likely be in management. Kevin Adams. I was like the least shocking announcement at the start of the year that Kevin Adams was taking over, but he's got time, right? He's got an opportunity yeah. to, to 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 mold it in his in his desire and form and, and his vision. And he didn't draft Eichel. I think it's a perfect opportunity now in all the struggles, right? So Hall may not come back. Eichel, you have an opportunity to get something still of great value for a guy. And you can say, oh, he was injured or the pandemic was on. There's all kinds of reasons why you can point to as the opponent devalues your trade piece. You can come up with an excuse to counter everything they're saying. So I, I can I can completely see it. Again, we go back to the dumbest, the dumbest statement in hockey. If Gretzky can get traded, everybody can get traded. Yeah, and, and that's what they say. There were some rumors popping up a while. I'm a Penguins fan, Sidney Crosby, the, the situation with the slow start in Pittsburgh conjecture started to come up uh, i think drager floated it out there of a possibility of crosby sitting down with management at the end of the season thinking about a move and that was the phrase that gets thrown out everywhere if gretzky can be traded everyone well, can those be traded. those moves make sense right so if if you take your your pittsburgh penguins jersey off yep. you take away being a fan and you're looking at the big picture of what do you want for pittsburgh you've got guys aging and i would say crosby i would pay attention to but i'd more look at a guy like malkin yeah right where there's still value right now, get rid of them. And it's not a personal indictment on anything he's doing. But I'm saying you can get something in return from a team. You could maybe hoodwink a team, right, into, into picking this it's guy a lot up. of bad GMs but, out but there. But you've got to separate yourself from, from your love of a player 
to the what's in the best interest of an organization. Oh, I hear you. Believe me, I'm a I'm a logo on the front, name on the back. Doesn't matter. I'm I'm with the organization, ride or die. Uh, on that note, you played for Jim Rutherford, the former GM of the Penguins. Is that correct? Uh, what was your yeah. relationship like with Jim? And that was an interesting move of him stepping down in the middle of the season. Uh, some some issues there. Nothing really ever surfaced as to what the actual cause was. But do you see him being a fit anywhere else, taking a taking another job and jumping in, maybe like a Buffalo to come in and kind of help Kevin Adams give him a hand another? their voice a type of like a consultant role something i think that was elliot freeman floated that idea out there all right so nothing has really ever been substantiated in pittsburgh and generally you know you can you know the national hockey league is a leaky sieve very leaky when it comes to, to to player information but when it involves management and ownership things are uh, tight so i would essentially say my understanding was there is a disagreement in direction or vision for uh the a player or current players, kind of going back to what we were just talking yep. about, about Malkin and Crosby, uh, involving another player potentially, and uh, Jim maybe wanting to explore and man, and ownership not wanting to. And truth be told, like, Jim's won Stanley Cups. And not to say that he's just going to step aside because he's tired of it, but he but he has options, right? If, if he evaluates this and says, hey, I really can't honestly direct this team because I'm being told I can't, that maybe now is the time. Maybe this is the beacon. This is the sign for me that it's 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 time. Now to the second part of the question, I agree. I would look at I would look at where his past relationships are, right? So even on down to Ron Francis yeah. out of Seattle, right? It's it's a it's a team. I mean, the more brains there, the more head hockey hockey kind of backgrounds can only benefit that organization to help in a expansion draft into building a farm system. I mean, there's their their mountain of tasks is greater than anything else and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a bad idea to subdivide some of these things out so there's value there and i, and I agree that, that jim rutherford is a longtime executive and he'd be of value to to buffalo right he's he's very familiar with the east um <laughs> he's familiar with with the division they're in yeah uh currently and things will switch up eventually but uh, yeah he, he'd be someone that that could float and pick and choose where his landing spot would be and, and probably be pretty successful. You mentioned Seattle. Uh, has an expansion team in any league ever faced more pressure coming in after what Vegas did? That's, it's mind-blowing, too, well, what they were able to accomplish. And now Seattle, like, the expectations have to be through the roof there. Where's my question? How pissed are you if you're Tampa, Ottawa, uh, name, San, Jose, San Jose, all these yeah. expansion teams that came in that didn't get the gifted opportunity of the way the expansion draft played itself out? Right, you, Honestly basically Vegas was handed everybody's either kind of sixth player that falls into their second line or their top third line player. And those guys are pretty damn good. Yeah. Right. A lot of guys that are falling the second and third line on other teams will do pretty well. And, and you're basically held over a barrel as a team who has to protect certain guys. You have to make some hard decisions. So I'm saying to you, this pressure for Seattle is to do as well as Vegas did in terms of maximizing the opportunities you have that are sitting there, it's an absolute layup. Don't hit the rim, the base of the rim. Make sure you bank it at least and give yourself a chance. And he, it is wild when you think like they were given top prospects. They're giving Mark Andre oh, Fleury, who's well, still all those, I mean, all those guys and with the salary chips cap, on their Think shoulder. about the number of bad contracts Vegas took, right? So. I don't know if it's going to be the same situation for Seattle as it, or it may be, because we're just talking about the with the uh, HRR and the salary cap. But the expansion team can can really give teams cap relief, and for providing that cap yeah. relief, 
and allowing them to keep certain components that exist on that team and not have to expose them, you have to give up a fair amount. So uh, if I'm if I'm uh, if I'm Jim Rutherford, I'm bringing a capologist with me if I'm going to Seattle. If I'm Ron Francis, I'm finding a couple of capologists. I think Botterill's out there in Seattle currently, smart individual from I think the University of Michigan, but correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, So. They've got a task ahead of them, but I think, again, it's a better circumstance than the expansion teams that you saw in the 90s. To your point uh, about the Ottawa's and the Tampa Bay's being a step, the only devil's advocate I would throw in there was that Vegas paid, I think it was like $500 million for the expansion fee, and I think Seattle paid something similar. So you, you, you throw them a bone. So, so now we're, wait, are we talking inflation right now? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're the economics but, guy, so I don't know. I don't know what, those, I don't know what the old teams paid. Remember, though, in the 90s, the, the game wasn't generating near the money, yeah. the value of a franchise, right? So they're based on the buy-in on our value of a franchise. Like, so we didn't have streaming. We didn't have near the, the National Hockey League TV uh, contracts, none of that stuff, right? So the Players Association started marketing players. The league did a better job of getting the exposure internationally for the game. So the reason why Vegas is buying in is that's that's what the assumed value, maybe overinflated, but that's the value of a franchise. True. Uh, I got one more Homer question for you on the front. Uh, did you play? You played in Anaheim. You spent some time in the Anaheim. Did you play under Brian Burke there as well, who kind of uh, I, took over as president I, of hockey? I, didn't. So I had the pleasure of playing for the grumpiest coach in the hit. Well, I don't know, grumpiest. <laughs> uh, Randy Carlisle. Yeah. Ra- yeah. Yeah. I had Ra- Randy Carlisle, and uh, I'd say he ranks as my top one coach I've ever played for that I despise the most. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm an older guy, right? I get traded to Anaheim. And uh, one thing that I've made I've made consistent over my career, I was good to my locker room attendants, my equipment guys, my medical staff. No matter where I went, even if I was there for a short while, I'd give them my per diem money on the on the on the plane for lunch on occasion. I would buy I so I go to Anaheim and my guys in Carolina call the guys in Anaheim and say, it's a great guy. You'll you'll we get along well. So as a gift, St. Patty's Day. Uh, I'm older. I'm 37 years old. I'm having 65 cc's of liquid taken out of my knee. So we play a game. I linger after the game. No one's in the locker room. And out comes the uh, medical staff. And they got a bottle of Jameson for me. Oh, let's go. (laughs) Heaven. So pull out a Gatorade, got some crushed ice. I'm sitting there sipping it. And I'm like, I'm serious. And I tell you, it's probably an hour and a half after the game because my family's not out there. I'm sitting around in the locker room. In walks Randy Carlisle. Okay. He's giving a locker room tour. And he sees that I'm sitting there drinking a Gatorade, right? And in the Gatorade, he looks over and there's a bottle of Jameson somewhere in, in the sight line. So, you know, here's the irony. Jackass has got a white wine in his hand giving a <laughs> locker room tour. But the next day, the next day he pulls me in the office, sits me down. He goes, what's your deal? I go, what are you talking about? He's like, what's your deal? You come in here. So we had this conversation and we all I remember the end of the conversation is he goes, you're just like, just like Bertuzzi, Doug Waite. Matthew Schneider. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? So I walk out and guess last first guy. He's like, what was that? I'm like, I don't know. It's Randy was telling me I'm just like Bertuzzi gets uh, Bertuzzi Schneider and Doug Wade. He goes, oh, you're done. I go, why? He goes, he hated them. Sure enough, we play LA an afternoon game. My family flies in. He sits me. Jesus. Randy, Randy, I was was the only guy in media. It was the one thing I ever felt good 
when I when the announcement came out, I was like, oh, he got fired. Oh, too bad. <laughs> Damn shame. <huh? laughs> Damn shame. Hey, that's pretty good company too. I feel like. Yeah, I take name. that as a compliment. Hey, this Christ. is like Sesame Street, though. One of these things is not like the other. I'm the only non Hall of Famer. I thought he was gonna call you all booze bags or something. Lo and well, behold, those guys I were stuck. I think that was his implication yeah. because I, when I got to Newport Beach, I might have rented a house on the water that was five bedroom. It was just me. Great view of the ocean, and I might have paid. Um, a homeless guy every single day i slid a 50 under the under the the doormat and when we came back from practice there might have been a few cases of beer on in on ice on styrofoam coolers outside waiting for us and i might have brought the rest of the team down so when we were in a playoff position when i got there we weren't at the end of the <laughs> see i'd call that team building yeah. i'd call that camaraderie i didn't know you were taking the team what else are you gonna do in anaheim huh <laughs> yeah oh yeah gummy guy anything no that's good man uh oh just one thing you talked about uh like teams changing the styles they're playing because of the divisions do you think that means that like there could be a dark horse that wins this thing this year don't you think or do you think that's going to be a favorite i don't because here's the thing what are your what are your basis of comparison yeah what so we have four separate divisions you played like so i think it's winnipeg still has six more games against toronto to come right so but North has only seen North. West has only seen West. We can only really honestly decipher certain things. Minnesota is outperforming where they where everybody thought they would be. Yeah. I mean, there's there's teams that are, are, are really good. Islanders are really good. So I think you really have defined top four in every division, but you have no comparables. So one team or one division can be completely hot garbage, and we have no idea at this point because all they're doing is beating each other up or playing the dogs at the bottom and getting their points. I think that, truthfully, you're going to see some shockers and surprises in the playoffs when they finally start crossing over because, one, for a lot of guys, you won't have seen an entire team for the entire year and not know anything about them. Right. So your yeah. coaching and, and scouting staff is going to have to pick these guys apart and hope the players in that locker room absorb it on a level that, you know, it's going to be a deficiency for, for young guys who don't know the tendencies of playing an Alexander Ovechkin and how he plays you one on one or where his, his office is. Right. Until you experience that, you don't really know. It doesn't become second nature. So now in the playoffs, it's absolutely baptism by fire. Uh, I know what I wanted to ask you, and I remembered it. You mentioned Minnesota. You also mentioned being sat as a player. Uh, Zach Parise was a healthy scratch for, what, the second time in uh, 16 his, years? Yeah. His, can you explain that? Because it, it was baffling to us. It was like, this guy's done so much, and you make one little mistake. And Are you really trying to set an example with that guy to that team? Yes. I mean, here's, here's the tough part. Is This is through and through a business. Yeah. And coaches know – that to keep a room sometimes, I mean, this is this is a Scotty Bowman 101 move, right? The reason, not only was he tactically above everybody else, but he played psychological games where he never allowed you to feel comfortable. Like, it was from a top guy. Like, I, I witnessed Scotty Bowman get in Steve Eiserman's kitchen. I witnessed Scotty Bowman get in Shanahan's kitchen. I was a permanent dweller of Chateau Bow Wow for Scotty Bowman, <laughs> along with Kozlov and McCarty and, and a good number of guys. That was how he functioned. You are never allowed to be comfortable. So where there's an opportunity to send a message to a locker room, and I think that this is maybe where what's happening in Minnesota, is you take a veteran guy 
who hopefully before you make this move in your estimation is going to handle it properly and not be a divisive presence in that locker room. He's going to shut his mouth. He's going to realize there's a purpose to this. Whether he, he self-reflects or blames somebody else, he's probably going to stay pretty quiet about it. And hopefully it has a rebound effect, both for the individual player and for that locker room. But yeah, I, again, you said it earlier, the name on the back, sometimes you have to remove yourself from, from feeling sorry for them because what, at 52 games, you've got a limited amount of mistakes you can make and, and you've got to make an impact over and over and over to keep, I mean, it's like a horse race. You got to keep whipping the rear end of that horse to make sure there's no let up. Well said. Not enough time to uh, fuck around and play, play any games. You got to be on your shit. Uh, two more quick ones, uh, really easy ones. Uh, who's the most talented, skilled, impressive guy you've shared the ice with? Oh, Teammate or against? I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, in terms of just straight up skill, crazy yeah. things you could do. Yeah. So even before, even before the the generation that we have now, where everybody's posting like you know, drop on the <laughs> stick behind the net, lacrosse goal, yeah. or whatever they're doing. I had a teammate in New York, and, and his nickname was well, his name was Michael Nylander. We called him My- Michael Wylander because he everything was the question. You'd say something, it was why, 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 why. But he could stick handle a puck in a phone booth. I had no idea how he could do it. And listen, I just tried to stick handle the bigger piece when I got the puck. This guy, <laughs> this guy could, I mean, he would kill it. And and the worst part was I would actually choose because of his skill set not to go against him in one-on-ones or certain drills in practice. Like I was getting a little older, so I'd like maybe lean down and I'd be smart enough to tie my, tighten my skate when it was going. Just so that, you know, I mean, you're still trying to make an impression on a coach, right? So you don't want it. You don't want to get uh, That's a be, business oh, yeah, decision right there. Yeah, so that's that for me is the guy. I don't, I, nothing comes out, nothing comes out for me as, as one guy that was so ridiculous. Um, I mean, there was, for me, I would say more was an honor. Every time you got to play against a guy that had, I don't know, stature or you maybe grew up watching him and he was, he was playing. Those are the things that impact me more. Those are the guys I remember of like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I remember, I remember thinking, well, Wayne Gretzky's old, and then then he took me wide. I'm like, oh, you know, that old. <laughs> <laughs> all right, last one for you. I, I try and ask this to all the guests. Uh, if you were GM for a, or not GM, if you were commissioner for a day, you had your run of the league. What's one change you would implement? I would, I would go buckets off for three on three. Wow, I love that. Let's go. So here's here's why. The 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 growing of the game involves getting a personal attachment to players, right? Absolutely. And and, and to take a helmet up. And I know, listen, here's the problem. I'm gonna get a as, as a former PA member, I'm gonna get a kickback on like oh player safety. Okay. Yeah. So you asked me a question. If I had my brothers, here it is. I'd get all the guys with their flow, I get all the guys with red faces and 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 the 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 guys who you know who are playing three on three are highly likely your top line players. The 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 yeah the star effect. You get them out there. You see everything, uh, and and you you play the three on three in that manner. Um, I would also the other the other thing I would say, which you can't be pulled off. If I, was <laughs> I command I command on the three on three for the entire crowd to be silent because I think one of the coolest things for the for the true fan is to listen to the level of communication and what gets said on the ice that we're we're privy to now that we've never been privy right. to before. Not just the craft talking, like guys shitting down each other's throats about stuff they know about each other. I mean, hockey players are, are legendary researchists, if that's such a word. Like, they, they'll go to great lengths to figure out something about a player 
but I'm saying in terms of like the 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 intricacies of playing the game and 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 how they communicate, what gets said, and what's said versus what actually happens. I think that's one of the cool components of the game. I, I couldn't agree more. That would be a viewer's dream, I think, to be able to get that level of knowledge and insight into what those guys are saying and how they're communicating. Because a lot of times it's just like one word or two words, and it ends up meaning a whole a whole goddamn series of events. One one more, one more. And, and I I would, and again, it was kickback, right? So we're, we're qualifying this. I hate the shootout. It was cool for the first year. Yeah. Um, I'm tired of it. I would honestly like to see us start three on three and play five minutes and go two on two. Wow. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. It's it, the shootouts gimmicky, just as gimmicky as two on two. Do you want to see a guy with no pressure back pressure going in on a goalie and that's the end of it? Or do you want to see two guys actually like probably your highest skill players play against each other and just go back and forth end to end? I hear what you're saying because even now, sometimes in the three on three situations, they do. It, it is often highly entertaining and skillful and fast. But there's a couple times now I've seen they're they're, they're slowing it down. Guys are taking their time. They're skating okay, circles so the, in the neutral zone. So the zone response and, to that now, if you looked at at Paul Maurice, is he's just simply taking his top line, not even taking a defenseman. It's three forwards. Yeah. And his next one is three forwards. Because if you're going to do that to me, I'm going to expose you. Love it. I love, there needs to be that type of mind. There needs to be more of that attacking mindset, and people need to be willing to live with a turnover now and then to achieve that that entertainment value and, the, and that ability to win a game. You need to go take it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Wardo, appreciate you, man. Thank you for taking the time. I know you got a lot of media coming up. Uh, you're the best, man. we got to have you back on often. Anytime. I, I finally I finally fixed it up so I can actually invite anybody into my house. <laughs> hey, it looks good, there, man. There was like at least a half hour of cleaning up here so I could, I could make it presentable. It's good luck. Appreciate it, man. Uh, everyone listening, Thanks, please follow along at NHL underscore Aaron Ward on Twitter. Check them out. You got Instagram? You on Instagram? You got anything you want to plug? I got I got Instagram, but it's, I'm believe me, I, it's, it's my dog, and my kids, and not that interesting. <laughs> I, ha, I only have it. So I got I got I got uh, a son who's an idiot and two daughters who are, who are teenagers. I do it for monitoring purposes only. I hear you, man. <laughs> I respect it. All grown up. All right, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks Aaron. Guys.